It's your host, Paige, and you know who I'm with? It is me, Gary the Great. <laughs> I love, I never know what accent you're going to bring to the table. Well, me today, <laughs> we have a special episode because we have a special guest in our virtual studio. Isn't that right, Gary? We sure do. <laughs> um, our special guest is none other than my little ball of headache, Brittany. <laughs> It's me. In case y'all don't know who Brittany is, Brittany is my my girlfriend, my partner, if we're being progressive, um, my life mate or something. On all the episodes where I've talked about relationship stuff and moving and all that, and when I told the story about um, the leaving room, uh, (laughs) it was was Brittany that I was with. So we're we're having a we're having a. We're having a, a, a episode where my my lady crashes the pod, but for good reason. You'll see why. Yes, yes. So we're excited to have Brittany. We haven't had a guest on the pod in a while. Um, like I think I mentioned in our previous podcast, but I think this really might have been the week that we like decided to like even start the pod because um, mm-hmm. it definitely was in November when I called Gary. So that's really cool. We're get, again we're counting down to that one year anniversary of our first episode which is so exciting um but yeah let's get started with today's audacities and i got one for y'all um so i'm honestly feeling very worked up and i never thought this would be a topic that i would feel passionate about because i really i don't like this person purely to piss off the people who like her but this Mm. is about taylor swift like i don't have like strong opinions about taylor swift i feel like i have strong opinions about taylor swift fans so therefore I become their like antithesis. Like I have to be the worst. Like if you love her, I hate her. <laughs> Fair. Something about it just brings me joy. So um I've been I don't know if y'all been following this, but she's like going on her heiress tour, which is like a really big deal with the Swifties because she was like in that fight with Scooter Braun. So she was like re-recording all mm. her old albums because she doesn't own the masters. Um, so like, that's honestly like low key, that is kind of dope, but she's going on tour. It's a big deal. She hasn't been on tour in a while. So, you know, the Swifties are going up. Well, your boy Ticketmaster said, fuck all that noise. So Ticketmaster (laughs) owns like 90% of the venues and the artists in the United States. When I mean own, I mean like their rights to be able to like perform and stuff like that, like in terms of like touring. Mm -hmm. And so a couple years ago, they bought Live Nation, which was really their only other competition. So now they really do like it's like a monopoly. And because of that, Ticketmaster has been one jacking up prices. Um, One thing that happened with the Swifties is like all the tickets were sold in presale. And so to have access to presale, like you have to have codes. Um, And so like not everybody was able to get a code. Even the presale tickets were crazy high, seeing tickets online for as high as $95,000. And it's just really wild because I had done some mild research into the topic. And, like, Taylor Swift is not even trying to, like, stiff her fans. Like, it's not like she's playing, like, really small, intimate venues. Like, she is buying out the biggest venues in every city that she's going to. And she's there for multiple days. So, like, realistically, there should not be an issue with the number of tickets that there are. 
And so honestly, I'm not standing up for Swifties. I'm standing up for future me who may want to go to a concert and see someone because like, who the fuck got $95,000? Like, I know when Beyonce goes on sale, I'm staying in the fucking house because niggas going to be jumping off their fucking roofs because they're not going to get tickets to that fucking concert. And you just, Beyonce fans just be too emotional. Everybody like 30 and 40 now. So just, it's going to be a bunch of grown ass folks really down bad. So I want to know like, what can we do? (laughs) So... I'm a little confused. Is how how did they sell out of how did they sell all the tickets in the pre-sale? Like isn't there only a certain amount of pre-sale tickets or they just said, "Nah, fuck that. Whoever gets to it first." There is a certain number of pre-sale tickets. However, there has been I think I just recently watched, I think it was like a Vox video on it, but like um I think last year um it was like documented in their sales that like of the th- I guess like 13,000 seats like 11,000 were often sold in pre-sale. So like they're selling the majority of their seats in pre-sale. Why? I don't know. Probably because there's no fucking regulation from the goddamn government to stop these motherfuckers from being greedy. But respectfully, I'll, I'll relax. So that's probably why they're able to get it off. And this time the demand was just so high. I could see Ticketmaster being mad greedy. Like, well, I'll just throw them another one because these niggas is desperate. Like, I'm going to just, you know what I mean? Like, they're just mad greedy. And so they just canceled the public sale. So, like, they just announced that, like, today it came out. And so, you know, all little Swifties who didn't have the code, they are down bad. Like, one of Stanley's old coworkers is, like, a super hard Swifty. And she was like, I'm, she was like, I'm going to be crying all the way through Christmas. Like, I'm just, just crying so much. And these are her words, like, not mine. I'm like, God damn. Like, I don't know if I've ever wanted to go to a concert that bad, but I just feel like if you want to do something that bad, like you should be able to do it. You should at least get a fair shot to do it. Yeah. And I'm sure she was willing to spend a good amount of money, like not (laughs) $94,000, but it sounds like she would have spent like good money on some tickets. Yo, that's a down payment to a house, bro. A nice house. 95,000. That's more than that. Nah, someone who just bought a house, that's just a down payment. (laughs) Goddamn. I have never wanted to go to anything that much in my entire life. I don't care what's going on. But either way, that is OD. Yeah, I'm with you, Paige. I um, uh, white women's Nas. I know, I know what she means to them, uh, and I know they got to go see their their Swiftmatic in action. But yeah, they're 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 tweaking for that, and I'm I'm sure the I'm sure that community is um uh, is in shambles right now. So I'm sending you all. Strength and prayers, condolences, <laughs> thoughts, prayers, and you know, energy and such to get through this troubling time. And if you sell a kidney or take a private loan out to be able to get some uh, to get some tickets, I hope it I hope it really matters to your soul, and I hope you scratch that itch. Nah, Gary, like really, like when I really think about it, like this shit makes me so mad. I fucking hate late stage capitalism, and the part that really pisses me off is that like. The Republican House just took the Republican Party just took the House of Representatives. And I'm like, okay, cool, but how the fuck do people keep voting? Like, are you do you guys not realize we are in hell? Like we are actively in hell. Like yes. late stage capitalism is the worst. The world is ending. There's always a threat of war. Bacon is hell of expensive. Like this, there's just so many things that are happening. You can't even buy a used car right now. Like just thinking is expensive and it's exhausting. And these niggas out here keep voting for motherfuckers like the Republicans. And I'm like, so you just want to do this forever? Because 
I know like as many as there are rich white people, that money is not going as far as it used to, bro. It really isn't. Like it's really not hitting for what it used to like because I know. So I don't know. It just makes me really exhausted because I'm like, damn, we can't have nothing. Now you can't even afford to go to a concert. Not a goddamn thing. Everybody going to be in the house, which I mean, I'm not mad about. I love being in the house. Like I ain't going to hold you. I got a comfy couch. I got a dog. Like I love being in the house. But like if I want to go outside, I should be able to go outside at like 95K. That's ridiculous. Like, honestly, I hope these white women riot. I hope they make little pussy hats or whatever, or Taylor Swifty hats. And I hope they march right to the Capitol. And I hope they tell those people, <laughs> and I hope they give them a piece of their mind. Because they're going to be like, our white ass dollars have been putting your people in office for years. And I can't go see Swift. I, I know those Karens <laughs> finally, is about to tear it up. Finally, the outrage. Yeah, this something. is the outrage that we if need. Is, okay. I mean, if, 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 this, if this is what, I wish it was something else, but if this is what starts it, then fine. I'm cool with it. But nobody's actually buying that $94,000 ticket. Like, that's not happening. I don't Brittany, believe it. bought it. All right. So bought not only it. Did people, not only did people buy it, people are going to resell it for more. <laughs> I, I, At auction, okay. two tickets to Beyonce's, um, to Beyonce's uh, upcoming tour went for 150 k God damn. At auction. The first two tickets have been sold. The thing is, it's not even all that seeing these people live. Because, like... Half the time you could barely see them anyway. Like they're so far away from you. Even if you're in the front row, they're so far away from you on that stage. Like I'd rather just sit at home and listen to Beyonce. Oh, that's because like, these people must be going into the pit, and that's you literally just get to say you were there. That's really what it that's is. It. You get to say, "Oh, I saw Beyonce on the whatever the fuck tour," and even though I was seven miles away from her and had to use binoculars, <laughs> I was there. I mean, honestly, I always feel like kind of torn on concerts i've never been like a really big fan of live music but i did go to the um dte concert i think it was like 20 Ooh. yeah it's t d e top dog entertainment page what is that <laughs> not dte <laughs> Give me that, Gary. Give me that. It's um, it it was Kendrick Lamar's folks. It was like Kendrick Lamar, Schoolboy Q, um, (laughs) some other niggas whose names escape me. And that was pretty fire. I saw them in Canada. Absol J Rock. Thank you, J Rock. Thank you. Uh, I knew he was gonna come in and hold uh, me down. I said the niggas that I like. Whatever. D T E. You know what she meant. I um, but yeah, I saw them and that was really cool. I went to go see them with a really good friend of mine. That was the first time I had ever smoked weed at a concert, and I was like, "Yo, this is the coolest shit I've ever done in my life." So yeah, like sometimes they really go off, but it is more like the memory of being there. Um, I almost got into a fight at an Erica Badu concert, which is wild. Like, whoa, that's, <laughs> that's not that's the oxymoron. Vibe. Yes, just to quickly derail us, we were at we were in Brooklyn. We were at the fucking Brooklyn Nets Stadium. It was me and my friend who I went to that uh, concert with, Kendrick Lamar, and then, like, my other good girlfriends from college. And this is the Mother's Day concert. My friend's a mother, and it was Erica Badu to start, and it finished with her. These are very chill vibes. We are vibing here. But we sat sat in front of, and it was stadium seating, these old-ass fucking haters 
And they literally were mad because we were standing up at a fucking concert and they tried to like put their, they tried to put my, their hands on my friend. It was like such a bad vibe. And it was crazy. They like called security on us and all this stuff. And it was like, bitch, how are you calling security on us? You put your fingers on us. Like it was a whole thing. We really had to walk away because it was like a Friday in Brooklyn. It was like, who has time to get locked up in Brooklyn on a Friday? Like, holy shit. Absolutely not. Like, my friends and I had state jobs at the time. I think I had just gotten the job um, where me and Gary were working together. So I was like, I'm a state employee. I don't have time for this. Um, it was very frustrating. And that was honestly probably the last concert I went to because I was like, y'all bitches fucking suck. Who goes to a concert to sit down the whole time? Even if it is Erica Badu. And also, if you are so fucking old and decrepit that you cannot stand, then you need to spend the extra money on the handicap ticket so that way nobody can sit in front of you. Because what the fuck? Do what's best for your body, you old bitch. Sorry, my last. My last I, the, you what? know what? Like I'm on your side, but I did almost like push a child down for standing up at the circus the other day. So I can't even front. <laughs> like I wouldn't feel the same way. Yo, that's true. She was talking. <laughs> <laughs> we were at the circus and we were high as hell, um, having we a just great time. To sit down. But albeit it's a circus and the kids were really into it and standing up and doing the little kid dances and shit. <laughs> And Brittany's leans over to me like, is it bad? I just want to push this child down so I can see better. And I'm like, that is bad, but I feel you. No, you was agreed with packed? me. Could you not like move to other seats or was it was packed in there? No. Honestly, we definitely could have moved to other we just seats. Like, we, just like, we just liked where we were. I'm about to say, y'all niggas just love conflict. We were that's comfortable. That <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's about all. Yeah, so um, like, while well, I agree with you and they were they were wrong for that, I can't lie and say I've never been the old ladies, the hating ass old people, because that was me at the circus. That's wild. Y'all got to be stopped. Well, well, to bring it back, I too help. I, I too hope the Kelsey's, Chelsea's, and Shelby's riot and stage a coup over there, over there. Um, their Messiah Taylor Swift. I'm about her- to say their their Lord and Jesus Christ, their Savior. <laughs> Taylor Christ. Um, I I'd be making Gary listen to uh to Taylor Swift in the car sometimes. Not gonna lie. Okay, quick, everybody who listens to the pod, what race is Britney? Now that you know that fact. New, oh, new, they knew new, before new, I new. said that. They knew before I said that. But if you were unsure, please put in the comments what do you I think Britney is? I don't have I don't have a ethnically ambiguous voice. <laughs> Damn. I think that's so funny. Not ethnically ambiguous voice. See, some people do have ethnically ambiguous voices, and I don't have one of them. That's funny. This is true. Oh, that's funny as hell. What you hear oh, is what you get. <laughs> Gary, do you have any more audacities for today? <laughs> nope. That, that was audacious enough for me. Wonderful. Then lead us into our next topic. Thing. All right. So this is going to be a bit of a part two um, to something we talked about previously on the pod. So I don't know if y'all remember the episode where we talked about how men just make everything gay for no reason and then just have issues with it off the strength and how homophobia is just kind of interwoven into a lot of men's definition of what masculinity is. Will we all agree with that, folks? Aye, aye, Captain. Yes. All right. So, all right, I kind of want to, so I want to kind of go back to the concept of, um, of just kind of gayness in general, 
because I, I, I definitely see often that um, when it comes to the topic of being gay, um, men are very polar about it. Like, for example, um, like even just people are more like, for, for example, we talk about we, I think we mentioned this on the pod before, but like something as simple as uh, being like uh, exploring your sexuality or not being sure what you are like. If a woman says that she, you know, messed around with other women in the past, you know, she everyone's just like, oh, she just she was just having fun. It's all good. She can still be a straight woman. That was just her in her college days. But if a man says, hey, I was exploring my sexuality and I, you know, I hooked up with a few guys to see what it was about, that society will forever say that man is not straight because he did because he did something in the past. And so I kind of so um, I want to pick. I, w- I want your guys' opinion on this uh, when it comes to gayness. Um, is it the act or the thought and why in your, in your humble opinions is gayness and is, is the gayness in the action or the mindset? Well, my short answer would be the mindset, but what, what I've noticed is that men just don't know how sexuality works because like it's, I think we all, we all here know that it's a spectrum, right? So like, no barely anybody is going to be just a hundred percent straight all the time and or a hundred percent gay all the time like there's going to be moments in your life where you have a quote-unquote gay thought or you experiment or you think you might be feeling one thing but you feel another and as far as labels go i think you just go with what makes the most sense to you and what is most relevant to you so yeah, like a woman who experiments in college but then goes on to never do it again and start a family with a man and just live her life as a straight woman, the label that makes the most sense for her is straight. Meanwhile, like a man can't it's like he can't say he's straight anymore if he if if he kisses a guy once. Um and I think that's weird and doesn't really make any sense and it just isn't how it works. Gotcha. Um, well, as someone who identifies as LGBTQIA, definitely mindset. I think that's something that society has really crippled us with all these like labels and like really tight boxes. Like everything is very, like I looked at as siloed as opposed to fluid, um, like Brittany said, with the spectrum. And so there is this idea that, like I get this all the time, like people think that I'm heterosexual because my partner is a cisgender man. But he like, but I'm not because like, you know, that's just like, yes, I can understand that to people I'm presenting as straight. I might be red as straight. You know, we are red as a cisgendered couple. Cool. But like that doesn't change like my sexuality. If I never decide to ever be with a woman ever again after this, it doesn't change the fact that like in my mind, I know and I identify as like a bisexual woman. Um, So I think that that's like the first piece. But I think the other piece is that like. It's so funny. Men are so rigid in words only <laughs> because I feel like <laughs> men are always practicing homoerotic behavior constantly yeah. all the time. Like, you know what I mean? Like these bromances, um, you know, like spending a lot of time with another man, you know, like being genuinely invested in a man. Like that's typically a man's best relationships. It's not with other women. It, it's with men. Um, And it's because, like, that's their safe space. Even if it's toxic, like, it's still their safe space. And it's like, I don't understand why you can't understand that sometimes things, like, are just more relaxed. Like, you know what I mean? I wish I had better, I wish I had a better language for it. 
but it makes me laugh because men who are comfortable with being like honest about themselves doesn't make them like any more gay or straight or whatever. But like it just allows them to live a better life. Like you're able to appreciate your friends, you're able to be honest, you're able to like really feel the benefits of what it means to have like true friendship. And sometimes like men do do that. Like, but like I've definitely seen men have a real like moment of intimacy for then someone to be like, but y'all niggas being gay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like you know what I mean? Like loving your male friends is not gay. Mm-hmm. And so I just find that piece to be infuriating that men don't seem, and it's not all men, but it's like what society tells men they have to be. And that's really the other issue is that like, I feel like on a person to person level, especially after certain people have certain type of experiences, they can understand this, but even though they may understand in their mind, like their fear of like being misunderstood or mistreated in society is so real that they will not allow themselves to like live the truth that they are aware of, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah. honestly, I just, I mourn for them. I wonder if I would have been comfortable enough to like be so openly bisexual if I was a man, because it's just not the same for them. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's not safe for them either. Not at all. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing. I thought, uh, kind of what I was, uh, how expecting the conversation to go, but I just wanted to make sure I wasn't tripping. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's a very interesting phenomenon because um, it men have created the such rigid rules about sexuality. Uh, well, not even rules. It's like it's like rules within the group. You know what I mean? They're not, they're not actually rules because we know that in real life, sexuality one hundred percent is a spectrum. But like within the male community, like. It's societal like, norms yeah it's yeah exactly it's like we're they create these systems of policing other men and their own and, and their behavior because i would definitely say that in the male community um the it is very much acts based like there there are gay acts and um that and that men will not budge on and that's the thing i've but i've seen this from both people who are like very homophobic and from people who claim to be like allies you know what i mean people who are like no accepting like no i you know i have plenty of gay friends but i will say that x x is a gay act y is a gay act and z is a gay act and it's like it's like you're it's like on the on the spectrum of being a positive or negative part of the equation it's like you're you're probably more in the green but you still have some problematic thoughts in that way that are kind of limiting other men because it's like like i like i think a lot more men would be like i i think that a lot of times men would be more open to talking about different experiences that, that, that they've had on the sexual spectrum if, the, if that if those uh barriers weren't there like i definitely there are definitely men out there that have had some type of experience or maybe they consider their sexuality different or experimented but they would never they, they'll take it to the grave rather than tell their guy friends because they know that once they find that out, they're going to have that gay label on them for life. Even though, like, even if it didn't matter to me, like, let's say I, I'm 31 now. Let's say I kissed a guy when I was 15 and I told one of my guy friends for the rest. They'd be like, no, well, I don't, I don't know, bro. I think you're uh, you, okay. Yeah, I understand. You did kiss that dude that one You time. did kiss that guy 50, 16 years ago. So it's like, nah, I understand you're with a girl now. And even if you never do it again, it's still like, you still did it. And it's like, <laughs> why does it matter to you if it doesn't matter to me? Like if I, if I, if I said, Hey, I tried it, but I'm not gay. And I lived the rest of my life and never do it again. Why is there this stigma in the male community that because I was unsure at one point, I can no longer be 100% the label? 
And so with that, it kind of leads me into this thing that like I've kind of kind of coined myself that I realized. So like, um, have you all both both um, both of my hosts are zesty besties? Um, you're both um, on on the on the LGBTQIA spectrum yourselves. Um, have you heard of this concept of being gold star? Yeah, it's like a big thing with lesbians. Like a gold star lesbian is a lesbian who's never been with a man. Yeah, yes. and there's gold star gays, platinum star gays. Like I'm never even kissed. <laughs> okay, wow, well, never girl. mind. I don't know. I don't know nothing about that. <laughs> platinum. Wow. <laughs> wow. There's levels to this, huh? Indeed, there are. So with that, it's like I feel like. I feel like subconsciously, like those super macho, like you'll never catch me lacking dudes have like this concept of trying to live their life being gold star straight. And it's like anything that could ever be perceived as soft, feminine, gay, they make it a point to just like check checklist their life, never doing any of these things like, oh, like, oh, I've never I've never had a gay. I've never complimented a man in my life. I've never had a gay thought. I've never ate a banana in public. You know, I've never. And, like, they're dead ass. Like, t- this is some shit we can laugh at, but understand that there are really men out there in the community that, like, are like, yo, you could never accuse me of being gay or you could never accuse me of, you- of being anything like that because I make it a point to live my life in this hyper macho masculine way. And it's like they're they're literally just, like, policing their lives to the point that nobody else gives a fuck about. Like, you're stressing yourself out over this concept no that only matters reason. to you. Because we know there's tons of people out there that would just accept you for who they are, and they're probably better people than the ones who won't. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it see, it looks exhausting. <laughs> there was a man. He, there's a man on my Facebook who is like this. He is very toxic, and he just talks about like, you know, he's an alpha man and shit like that. Um, he said he, I forget exactly what he said, but basically it was that therapy. Going to therapy as a man is gay. Uh, here we go. <laughs> like, like, well, yeah, like, because if he goes to therapy, the therapist's going to tell him he's crazy. So I'm sure he doesn't want to go to therapy. He's going to have to unpack some shit that he's not ready to unpack. <laughs> I mean, yes, I think that it is really nuts because when you really think about it, like men block so many of their blessings. I saw recently saw a TikTok where um, like a man was talking about how like middle school is the hardest time of your life because you're always getting picked on. Like he was just being really vulnerable, like how that can like really fuck you up. And all the comments like, oh, this nigga gay. Oh, look at him soft. You need to tighten up. Oh, your daddy should have hit you or like all kinds of shit. And it's like, this is why we can't. This is why we as society have a hard time caring about men's mental health because y'all don't care about your mental health like you know what i mean like yes like we want to help you but like this is and honestly i again like it's an it's such a deeply ingrained white patriarchal like side effect but Mm. like this very like counterintuitive mentality where you are constantly working against your own best interests which is Mm. amazing because when you think about it like as humans innately we are animals and like we are programmed to go after what is considered our best interest like that's why so many people have sugar addictions because like when we were hunters and gatherers like you didn't always you weren't always able to have sugar 
So your body had to crave it. So that way you would go, like you would look for it and you would like eat it when you got it and like things like that. And now like we are eons away from that, but we still have that weird little thing in our brain that makes us crave sugar. So like the fact of the matter that we as a society have been so successful in misshaping the minds of men that they are constantly and actively working against their own self-interest is honestly like the epitome of like evil genius. Because, I mean, you talk about a a brain takes millions of years to develop Mm -hmm. or hundreds of thousands. I'm not a fucking archaeologist or whatever the fuck, whoever does brain (laughs) studies. Um, Archaeologists? Archaeologists be like, you know, they be finding the bones and they like know how old or whatever. I'm not doing this with y'all. Long and short. Like we, like it took, like eons and time for our brains to get here. And in like a couple generations, like society broke it. Mm. Internally. That's disgusting. Like, you know what I mean? Like this is now we have this like internal struggle, like we're, where we are working against. I mean, I think about it all the time with like all the things going on with like the midterm elections, like people are constantly voting against their own um, self-interest, like Trump rerunning. Anyone who votes for Trump is working in, against their own self-interest. Literally, Even rich people are like- yeah, I mean, I was like, even like, rich people aren't benefiting off of Trump because he's so out there. Like this is, like he doesn't. As much as people want to say, like, oh, it's like he can get deals and stuff like that, but now you're doing deals with people who do not exist in reality. Like that's not how business works. Like these are people who cannot accept faults. These are people who cannot accept like responsibility. So you know what I mean? Like again, like we as a society have done some like really ins- something insanely genius but also like terrible for who we are as like as humans because you have to wonder like how do you uproot that like at this point like what's like what is exactly the source how do you target it and then how do you fix it i agree with you and you see a lot how like oh women don't care about men's feelings men aren't allowed to have feelings men aren't allowed to be emotional it's like well whose fault is that you know what i mean like i would love for men to feel safe and enough to be vulnerable and talk about their feelings and i think we'd all be better for it but you need the problem is not women the problem is men creating that stereotype that men aren't allowed to like cry or have feelings or be vulnerable y'all created that so y'all gotta dismantle it all i can do is be supportive yeah it's very true like yeah people don't always understand that enough it's like there are like just as much there are women who are products of the issues that men have created just as much as there are men who have so like even if there are women out there saying like oh you know i just think it's weird for a man to be this soft or cry or whatever it's like she didn't she didn't make that up on her own she's now following this idea of manliness that was created by men that came before her that she is now normalizing and it's like I think guys don't always acknowledge it, so they, they they blame it as it they 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 make it like the root of the issue is 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 women that it was their initial idea for 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 it to be this way. Same thing with this whole like you know societal breadwinner whole, whole thing, but that's a that's a whole other discussion. But yeah, yeah, we 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 got away from the topic a little bit, but these are all good points and a great discussion anyway. 
Yeah, well, so yes, the initial topic was this kind of this whole idea that a lot a lot of men are living their lives trying to be gold star straight and then causing themselves nothing, but they're blocking their emotions and other natural human feelings in the process because they're so fucking emotionally constipated because they won't allow themselves to feel or cry or give their homie a hug that when they're going to fucking spontaneously combust. Like I can't like I can I can't count the amount of sincere situations I've been around men in. Some, some that I was direct, some that I was directly in, and um, and then others that I like kind of witnessed from the outside looking in. Were like men were having genuine conversations, trying to br- break through that like emotional like outer layer, and like like I've literally been in situations where dude would be like, "Yo, I love y'all niggas, no homo," and it's like you ruin this sincere moment of trying to express like companionship to men around you. As if no one else understood it. As if somebody in the middle of your big speech about loving all the men around, whoa, bro, that's fucking gay. Like, no, no one was gonna do that. But in your head, you just had to, you had to hold up your shield to make sure that no one had the opportunity to do these things to you. And it's like that's like one example. But I've been in many situations like that. Like I've been, like you know, I I've worked in higher education for a long time. I've had heart to heart meetings with students where they've tried to talk to me about like being upset because one of their homies let them down and be like, yo, that. It hurts so much because that's my boy. Like, you know, I really love him. No homo. And it's like, don't do this. I'm a, I have a counseling degree. Shut the fuck up. Like, no, we're not doing this whole homophobia thing in my presence. And I've literally had to, I've literally had to stop conversations before with young students because they keep, they, they keep trying to like, no homo me or pause or anything like that. And I'm like, I'm not about to let this be an environment where emotions are allowed to flow freely. And I'm not about to participate in your like homophobic perception of the situation. And it's just that's just a few examples, but by and large, like there are men living with that affliction. No, most and it's do honestly. I would even say I would be so bold as to say most do. Yeah, but I think for sure I was gonna say, but I think what you're doing, Gary, or like what people in higher, or what you hope that people in higher ed or other um, feeling professions do, is that which is like challenging some of those perspectives because if that's part of the issues that that if that's the only example of what a man is supposed to be you've ever seen then you have no option you don't know how to Mm. be anything else and if society is not safe enough for you to challenge that mold which in a lot of spaces it isn't um there's no one to challenge that so by having like interruptions or visibility to other types of people you know this is why we always tell people diversity is important this is why literally people need to see other people living in other ways. So that way they know that that exists. Like Mm. if you've never seen it, like if the idea of, if you've never seen the idea of two men being together ever as lovers, as a couple, you know what I mean? Like fuck, even as roommates sometimes, like then that concept is bizarre to you. Mm. You know what I mean? Like you have to imagine, you know what I mean? Like, there must be a reason as to why that doesn't happen. So either it's unnatural, it's wrong. Like, you know what I mean? Like you start to use, like that's how you first start to pick up on things. And then you experience how society experiences. Like I think about that all the time when I was younger, my like from kindergarten, I would say from first grade to fifth grade, I went to an all black school. All my teachers were black. All the nurses were black. My aides were black. Like I had one white teacher, Mr. Savato. I'll never forget him. He still works in the district and he works with my mom. And I love that man. Um, but like he was the only white person shout that I out. really knew. <laughs> Miss, shout out to Mr. Savato. I hope he never hears this podcast. Um, 
But like, I had no idea really what white people were like because I wasn't spending really any time with them. But then I moved to a different school district where everybody was white. And I was like, this is weird. And that's how I felt like that's when I learned what it was like to be black because nobody treated me like I was black because everyone around me was black. So I just got treated like a person. And so Mm. like, you know what I mean? Like you don't understand how your one, your role in society changes until you get into different environments, but also how you can start to see how other people live. Like I never would have found fallout boy who I love if I never moved to Scotch Plains. Like that just would have never would have been a thing. But so like, yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like, so I think that's the other piece is that, I feel like the way that society we start to do it is by allowing and challenging these social norms. But I think it's very interesting because every time we do make strides moving forward, like progressing gay marriage and like, you know, teaching critical race theory and LGBTQIA history in schools, like, you know what I mean? Then like the Republicans come around, like even today they voted on um, whether or not to save a same sex marriage and interracial marriage and all but 12 Republicans voted now. Do you know Mitch McConnell voted that. for no? He's married to His an Asian wife is woman. Asian. Yes, like he's literally like if you want a divorce, then just tell her. Like you don't have to do it. Like you don't <laughs> no, have to ruin everybody else's fucking relationship. He knows these things won't affect him. He does not care that's about okay. us. That's what he thinks. That's what I'm saying. Like that's really what he thinks. But I don't know if anybody's been watching The Handmaid's Tales. Even if you get up high enough, you and your situation starts causing a problem. I'm he's sure gonna, he's going to be. Dead I'm sure if they years. started breaking up interracial relationships, I'm sure they would find a way to get her Asian behind out of there because they don't want people. If they are voting like that, he, he does. They don't really want that. So yeah, he might want to be with them. I think the same thing about um, Clarence Thomas. Gary, he another Gary. one who's like, oh, you know, I don't care about interracial marriage. I don't, okay, all right, that's what you say. That's what Gary, you say. See, we got to get married like right away. Just, <laughs> well, this took a turn. Well, they did pass. No, 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 no. I want to be clear. They did pass, like the yeah, vote but to, to... Paige. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying they did pass it. There is hope, but I'm I'm just saying there's also people actively working against us. Well, that's so, our yeah. episode, folks. Uh... <laughs> Doom and gloom. <laughs> so uh, stay tuned for next time. On oh my god! The engagement episode. Um. So yeah, so so to put a to put a bow on the, the topics we've discussed thus far. Uh, first, we we talked about sexuality, folks. Whether you want to accept it or not, sexuality is a spectrum. Um, there are people of all identifiers, and it is up to them to how they want to identify. And there, and it is not up for you to decide what somebody else's sexual orientation is based on your own metrics, because being selfish about how someone else lives their life. Is part of the fucking problem. So cut that shit out. And then next, um, all you all you macho men out there, all you people living hyper masculinity and policing how other men live their lives, just chill out, bro. It's not that deep. All these stresses you're putting on yourself about trying to be gold star straight is uncalled for. You're allowed to you're allowed to show love to your to your homies. You're allowed to give them hugs. You're allowed to Go to therapy, have feelings, get manis, petties, do whatever the fuck you want. And that does not that does not make you gay. So stop doing this to yourselves and stop doing this, uh, especially around the youth, because they are definitely picking up all this behavior and it is becoming problematic. And we are, as much as the years are passing, socially you're sending us into the past. So cut that shit out, you hear? Do you hear...
That was okay, beautifully cool. put. Thanks. Well. All right. So for our next topic, moving right along, um, I'm going to let Brittany introduce it because I think it's a very interesting um, topic for – I feel like a lot of social media and life tries to make it a battle of the sexes between men and women about who's right and who's wrong about what we want. But I, I saw – Brittany actually brought up when we were having a conversation the other night a perspective that I had never thought about before that I thought would be a good pod topic. So bring us on in, Brittany. So, um, I think I heard this. I can't be sure, but it was probably on TikTok because I'm on TikTok a lot. So, someone brought up that men and women value and cherish different things in relationships. Um, They said that men value peace and women value passion. And I thought that was interesting. I've never heard that before. So, I brought it up to Gary and we discussed it for a little bit. But, I mean, I'm, I guess I'll start with what I think um, and what I think that means and just to kind of explain it a little bit. Um, So when they say men value peace, like men want to be in a relationship where they come home from work and nobody's asking them to do shit. Nobody's nagging them. You know, they can relax. They can put their feet up. And women value relationships where they're made to feel beautiful all the time and they're taken on dates and they're bought gifts and they're told how wonderful and gorgeous and sexy they are all the time. And, um, I'm usually go against anything that's like, Oh, men are like this and women are like this, but all I can really base it off of is what, what I experience and also what I've seen. And I think there might be some truth to that. Um, what do you guys think before I go on? No, go ahead. Give us your answer. Well, yeah. I guess what I'm I think that goes back to kind of like these antiquated um, gender roles because you know like what was it 50 years ago um, men were the breadwinners they worked all day and um, they were around people all day so when they get home they don't want to have to worry about anything because that was what the, the wife did she took care of the kids she made dinner she cleaned the house And on the flip side of that, the women were in the house all day with nothing to do. So they're excited to see their husband and they're excited to go out on the town and they're excited to like, you know, go outside basically. So I could see where that originally came from and kind of how it spilled over. Um, I feel like that sometimes I, I, I work from home and even though I have a job, I am in the house all day like bored ready when Gary comes home like ready basically like ready for him at the door to like talk to me and cuddle with me and you know like love me and you know he's a a great partner and everything I'm not saying he's not but I could tell that you know he's already exhausted from the day and he's had a different experience that day than me and he just kind of wants to relax and he doesn't mind if I'm around but he'd like to like you know watch his comedy specials or play video games or like just not have the expectation of needing to make somebody feel special, I guess. Hmm. I can see that. I think for me, when I hear this one, I think back to what we were saying, like what um, Brittany said, gender roles are like the patriarchy because like men can't not like it's gay for men to like want to go like be taken out on dates. Like, you know what I mean? But aside from that, because we don't need to necessarily walk down that road again, I think the other piece 
is I think it depends. Like, I think that that's such a broad and generalist statement because I think I, I also value peace. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but I think as a woman, like sometimes as someone who identifies as a cis woman, a black cis woman, peace for me may look different than what peace for a man looks like. Like I tell Stan all the time, like because of my life experiences, peace is like me being around someone who makes me feel safe. Someone who allows me to actually relax. Someone who can understand like who I am as a person and allow me to not have to be the strongest person in the room. Like to me, that's peace. Um, So like, you know what I mean? Like, I think that that's, I think like anyone would want peace in a relationship. But again, I also agree with Brittany I do work from home the like every day of the week. And when Stan does come home, I do also be like, okay, well, I've been here all day. So, hi. So, <laughs> um, I'd be like waiting for him at the door as well. But I think the other piece is that I would argue that this statement makes me think that peace is negative. Like, oh, a man just wants to come home and look like and be all by himself. And that's like my bad thing. for making it sound like that. I'm sorry. That's not no, what no, I meant. No, 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 Like, I'm not saying... I'm like, on the opposite everybody. end, so I might have, but, like, that's not what I mean. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, like, there's different interpretations of what was said. So I'm just saying, like, this is what came to mind. Like, I know society sometimes, like, peace for a man is, like, like you said, like, a woman not nagging him and stuff like that. Like, I think that that's what my mind would think as well. So I say that to say sometimes peace can look like compromise. So, like, one thing Stan and I did is that Stan recently brought one of those, like, foldable desks. So, now he plays his Apex on the couch. So, I can watch TV on the couch and he can play his video games on the couch. But we're still sitting next to each other and I feel like he can, like, reach over and, like, hold my hand or something when he's, like, taking a break. Like, I would also argue that that is peace. But it's that, you know what I mean? It's parallel also, play and it's the best. Yeah. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, that I would also argue that's peace. But that's also compromise and that's also like romantic. So you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I feel like that's like it could go both ways. Yuri. Let's get the man's perspective. Hi, it's me, the man. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the one. Yeah, I um, I definitely see the truths in it because um, I look at it more from like, I mean, of course, I know I don't speak in generalizations. What I see a lot of, I won't claim it's 100 percent of it, but I think in my own findings is at least like 70. Like, I think that, um, what I see put out there about how people value relationships does is in favor of what, of what she said about men valuing peace and women valuing passion. It's like, um, I kind of look, as always, my case study is always social media. If I look at the things that people display when they're like trying to show how much they're, when they're trying to show off their partner and brag, it's like, the things that men show off, I would call examples of peace. And the things that women show off, I'd say are examples of passion. Like, for example, I'll see like a guy, he'll be like, you know, he'll put up a picture or a long post that's like, oh, I got home from work today. And my lady, you know, she had already whatever made dinner and like, you know, uh, got me a got me a beer and put the kids to, you know, put the kids down or whatever. And they'll go on this whole rant about how much they love their lady because they, they made their home a peaceful place. And that's the thing that they're going to brag about. Meanwhile, the main things that I see women brag about if they're going to go on a rant about their partner is the ways that they show passion for them. Like, oh, my God, he planned out the whole day and, you know, first he took me here and then he, then he did this. And then he, you know, he had a picnic ready and then he oh, had our favorite song playing at the restaurant. And it's like all, all these gestures that are examples of that, that make her feel as though he is passionate about her. 
And um, so in that way, I would say on a general societal level, I think we see more examples of that, of, of men valuing peace and women valuing passion. Naturally, there are times that it does go the other way, but I would say by and large, that is what I witnessed myself. And it's like, I definitely um, kind of, I, I definitely am somebody who felt that way my, myself. Cause it's like, I definitely, in past relationships, I've had passion, but no peace. If that makes sense. It's like, I've had relationships that were very high emotion, high energy. Something was always going on, but it's like in a toxic way, you know, there was a lot of yeah. arguments, a lot of just conflict and chaos, but maybe there was like also like a lot of sex and us going, going out and doing stuff and going to like events and, you know, and just like, you know, always having plans and going to different parties and stuff. So like, yeah, there was always a lot of passion. But when it came to peace, I had zero of it. So as, as a result, in my, in, my, in my grand old age of 31, I learned to value peace a lot more. And of course, I still like passion and, and acts of passion still mean a lot to me. But I, I definitely became a guy who, who sought out peace. Um, and I, you know, I just like I wasn't care. I wasn't worried about none of the other shit. If you are somebody who can just make me feel at home just by being around or like take some of the world's weight off of my shoulders when I'm, you know, when I when I come home, that was what I that is something that I wanted. So it's like I see it um, and I think that it's a good I don't know. I, I guess it's not I don't really see any I guess I can see the ways that it is problematic, like what Paige said. But I think generally speaking, when I think of it, I see it as a positive thing. Yeah. And um, another part of that topic was how important reciprocity is. So basically, if you don't give your partner peace, they are not going to be able to show you acts of passion or feel passionately enough about you to do these things for you. While if mm -hmm. you do not do these things for your partner and, you know, give them, um, you know, add some passion and some love to the relationship and just some excitement, then they're not going to be able to provide the peace that you need. Like, for example, so if, if, if I'm constantly like just chaotic, like not chaotic cause I am chaotic, but just constantly just arguing with you and I'm constantly like just making your life difficult and I'm just up your ass all the time and you can't do anything. Then like, obviously you're not going to want to take me on dates and make me feel pretty. On the flip side of that, if you're not taking me on dates and making me feel pretty, then I'm going to be upset and I'm naturally going to create a not peaceful environment within the house. And that goes mm. both ways for either party, regardless of gender. Yeah, people act out when, they're, when their needs aren't being met. Like, yes. Because mm -hmm. I'm, well, the, you hope that in a healthy relationship, the person just tells you that they're not meeting, like you're not meeting my needs, which can also be annoying and like argumentative. But, like, in the most toxic ways, it can just be, like, passive-aggressive and super toxic about it, too. So, like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't really win. And that's the thing is, like, we, Gary and I talk about this all the time. Like, relationships are work, but it's, like, work that you want to do. Or it's rewarding work. It's fulfilling work. Like, it's work that makes you feel proud at the end of the day. So, it's, like, you mm -hmm. can't just, like, ignore it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and part of that is, like, yeah, being that person's piece. Like, you know what I mean? Like, figuring out, like, hey, tonight I had to record the podcast late because I had to cook. And I was like, well, it's going to take me some time to make these steak and potatoes. So, you know. <laughs> but then he's like, well, Fetty's in a good mood. He wants to come in. He wants to help me. Like, he's tech support. So, like, you know okay, what I mean? Like, it's wifey. a give and take. But, like, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a give and take. But I want yes, some steak I, and potatoes. Gary don't eat red meat, so you can have, like, some fish and potatoes. No, I could have some steak and potatoes. 
I ain't about to make it though. I'm about to say he's not gonna make it. He gonna no. Make I, I was gonna eat. I was gonna eat some of yours. I thought you were gonna bring me a plate. Oh, girl, I only cook for two. <laughs> we cook that two shit, steaks. That shit and gone. Four pieces of potatoes. Yeah, but <laughs> absolutely. So I'm probably gonna cook tomorrow too. I cook most days of the week. So yeah, that's off topic. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, like, and this this is definitely something that is specific to people who are in their 30s or if not in their 30s at least like in an advanced part of their relationship like i wouldn't say this is true for people who are in their 20s in their relationships like they all value passion at that point like nobody cares but you know as we're getting older and we're settling down and we're living with our partners and we're making moves with them and financial decisions with them like i can understand why peace is important and that is why i feel like the passion gets lost so much and it is very important to me that that doesn't get lost in the mix of everything yeah i would agree yeah it can't be complacent you should be always spicing it up that's something that like me and stan definitely do we always work to like do something spicy but i will say that like that's because i value spice i I value spice as well i make an effort to work spice into our lives and i'm just thankful that i have a partner who's like that seems like the kind of spice you want to get into, we can give it a go. Yes, yeah. I love that for you. I've definitely I definitely um agree with what Brittany said about reciprocity because we've like mean to throw us under the bus as the couple on the on the pod, we've we've lived that. I, I remember like countless times uh, when we were, I guess I'll say involved but not yet dating. There'd be there'd be all there'd often be lapses in communication. Like for example, it might be something where like she wanted attention, so she would like hit me up and like start a conversation, but maybe she would do it in a way that rubbed me the wrong way with her approach. And then like I'm now annoyed. And like so now we're both annoyed because she hit me up because she wanted attention, but I didn't like her approach, so now I don't want to give her attention. So it's right. like now I don't have peace and now she's not getting passion. Basically so many like, basically that, many shit. Basically, women are big-headed aliens who deserve less. That's what that means. Basically, don't call a man to get what you want, okay? Because he's going to fail. Yikes. This is definitely a joke. (laughs) Call call me. Call me instead. Um, So anyway, yes, there have definitely been times where the reciprocity... So the the lesson there is just make sure... um, you have a system or a, or a, a structure of communicating when your needs are not being met with your partner, so that way you do not result to um, behavior that's going to result in you don't result in behavior that's going to make both your lives less peaceful. Facts, peace yeah. is always key, but don't forget to sprinkle a little spice in there. Yeah, a little. You can't spice. see me, but I'm doing the little. Uh, no, salt I see bay salt bay action. Brittany, yes, you can see me, but the folks on the pod cannot. Oh, uh, they only have to see I me in their mind. I understood. I mean, might it be great this technology stuff, but I, I know, I know they can't see us. They can't even hear us yet. Um, to my lovely co-hosts, anything else to add on the topic of peace for passion? I think you wrapped it up well, so I'm gonna. Say Nam Gucci. Okay. Um, well, I think that I think that's about it then. Um, 
thank you, Brittany, for joining us and uh, adding your adding your mind into the pot. <laughs> Her flavor. <laughs> yes, thanks, Brittany, for coming. I wish uh, Gary, can you please add some like. I know they got these sound effects. No, thank you guys so much for having me. As you know, I've been the biggest fan of the pod. Never missed an episode. Constantly talking about it. So this is like a dream come true for me. I feel like I'm on my favorite show. Damn, we out here making wishes come true. (laughs) You're welcome, Gary. No no foundation needed, baby. (laughs) Out here. Make a wish. We out here. Um, Well... Thank you so much for listening. You know, as always, we will be back. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, um, thank you all. And uh, we'll catch you all next time. Peace. Deuces. Bye.